team, maybe for those that aren't familiar down there, is um, is is knowing the times and and today's theme uh, down there is, is is moving forward. And and I thought I'd, I'd talk about that today, moving forward. And um, I thought it quite poignant. Um, you know, we know that that this day sort of around the world becomes a day where people might get a, a bit more conscious on on the heavens and the earth, might get a bit more conscious about. Their, their place in life. There's many people all over the globe will, will, whoops, will get together. They will um, remember the Lord's sacrifice, and 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 we and we hope that, that that around the world people's consciences do get do get pricked. That you know that there is something something greater than, than us out there, and and that there is an ability to to know God and, and you know and around in this room today we can we can sort of see and we can talk about that, that we know God. You know, we've had this experience where where the Spirit of God has come inside of us and, and we've experienced new life. We've experienced a, a new hope. You know, we've experienced something something greater than ourselves. And we might turn to um Second Kings and chapter two if we could please. I'm just going to spend a little bit of time uh, looking at the prophet Elisha. Uh, this afternoon, and um, and he was somebody who who wanted to move forward in life. He was somebody who who was was so focused on on where he wanted to go, you know, and and and, and where and where he was going to be and what he wanted to see. Um, and you know, I guess the other side of things is if if, if you and I were not going forward, we are uh, we, we could be treading water. We could be we could be going stale, we could be going backwards, or we could or we could fall over. You know, you think about a car and you're driving along, and if you're unable to go forward, generally speaking, it, it the outcome's not great. You know, I was driving home last night and and I found myself unable to go forward at a particular point in time on the road, and and the, and it wasn't a great outcome with what was happening to the car. But um, you know and. We read um we read in Second Kings two and we're going to start in in verse twelve. Um, just read a couple of couple of scriptures here and um and Elisha saw it and he cried, "My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof." And he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. So he divided he divided he ripped them in two and he took and he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the the bank of the Jordan, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also he had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And and before this, for, me, for those that don't know, um, you know, Elijah the prophet had had wearied in this life. He'd he'd seen and done amazing things with the power of the Lord, and he he'd gotten a bit tired. and And the Lord had had anoint had anointed the successor Elisha. and And when they're journeying together, Elijah asks Elisha, "You know what what can I do, what can I do for thee?" And and Elisha he was bold. He was full of faith. He knew exactly what he wanted. He said, oh, "I want to." I want a double portion of your blessing. You know, Elijah was was one of the most famous of the prophets, and 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 he goes, you know what? I know what you've seen, and I want double. I want to be a part of the action. And 
And from the moment he knew what he wanted, and Elijah says to him that it's a hard thing that you ask, but if you're with me at the end, if you can be with me at the end, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm taken away, then it will be. And, and they go on this journey together, and Elijah is taken, or oh, sorry, Elijah is taken away, you know, in a chariot of fire, his mantle falls on the ground, and Elisha claims the mantle of Elijah. You know, he claimed, he claimed the blessing of God, even though he knew it would be a hard thing to do. He knew that it wouldn't be an easy thing, but he was immovable with, with, with where he wanted to go. He was immovable with what he wanted to see and, and, and what, and what he wanted to be a part of. We'll just go to verse 19 of the same chapter. And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is naught and the ground is barren. And he said, and, and he said, this is Elisha, bring me, a, bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it, brought it to him and they went forth, cast it into the springs of the water and cast the salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall be not more from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. And, you know, and I find it really incredible there that, that you know, Elijah, the prophet Elijah just had this incredible thing happen. You know, he's had the anointing of God come upon him. He's had this incredible experience, you know, where he has witnessed Elijah be taken up in the whirlwinds you know, chariot of flight, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. This would have been like a, like a Sydney Harbour before COVID, New Year's Eve celebration, fireworks, the whole lot. And he's come back and, and instead of going, hang on guys, I need a minute just to have a pot of stew or, or have a sleep or relax or something like that, you know, straight away that there's this, there's this need that there's, um, you know, you might think that there's, that, you know, there's this place where the water should be. That, that if there's water there, it's it's no good for anyone. It's like the, the, the pink salt lakes that look really pretty, but the water's not really good for anything. It it was one of those it was one of those things where all of a sudden um, it was no good, and, and then Elisha, in the name of the Lord, is able to make a way for things to happen. You know, it, in a moment of time, it's as said there, it was it was it was barren, it was wasteful. And then that day, you know, Elisha, Elisha spoke it, and it was healed. And we and we read in, and it, and it doesn't stop. And we read in verse twenty-three of, of the same chapter. And he went up from hence um, unto Bethel, and and as he was going by the water, by the way, there came forth little children out of the city, and mocked him, and said unto him, "Go up, thou bald-headed! Go up, thou bald-head!" And he turned back. And he turned back and he and he and looked at them and cursed them in the name of the Lord and, and there came forth two she bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them and and then Elisha goes off and it's pretty brutal like think about it he's he's obviously like maybe a few people here suffering from a lack of hair on top of his head and and he's been mocked by I thought this was a couple of children when I just when I was I was reading it, and I found it was like forty-two children. This this little mob of children have mocked Elisha, and he's and he's cursed them, and and out of the woods come two female bears that tear them to pieces. And you think about you know the the, the type of the type of power that that the man of God possessed that it, that in the name that he could call upon sort of whatever it was that that he needed at any given time, knowing that that there would be an answer at the end of it. And um, 
And we'll just go over to um, to chapter 4 and, and, and verse 8. Now, um, you know, when Elisha claimed the mantle, you know, he, he, could have, he could have stayed home. He could have... He could have had a rest. He could have gone backwards. But, and as we're about to read, and we're not going to go through all of the deeds of Elisha, but there was just so much that he was a part of. And, and Elisha's calling, you know, he wasn't a, a, he wasn't university educated. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, some generational, um, of some generational tribe of royalty or looked highly upon in the community or, or, you know, a generational pastor's son or something like that, but he was just ploughing the field with an ox when when the call of the Lord came to him. He was just out on the farm in the middle of nowhere, minding his own business. Probably the the um you know the, the main focus that he had was that the uh, the, the plough was attached to the ox properly and could till the ground. You know, that's where that's where he was. When, when, when he was called. I think it's really important that as we sort of go through today, that we remember, if we remember anything, just remember that, you know, you know Elisha was, he was nobody, he was nobody special. He was a farmer, you know, he was, he was just, just minding his own business in a field. And, and we read in verse eight of, of, of chapter four, um, and it, and it fell, uh, on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, and there was a great woman, and she was constrained him to eat bread, and and so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in to the to eat bread, and she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make him a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let us set for him a, him there a bed, a table, a stool, a candlestick, and it shall be that when he comes to us, that he shall turn in. Or turn in hither or turn in here. And it came, and it fell on the day that as he came, as he came in, he turned unto the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, her servant, call this Shumanite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto her, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is, what is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people, and he said, "Well then, is it w- w- what then is to be done for her?" And Gehazi answered, "Verily, she has no child, and her husband is old." And he said, "Call her." And when he called her, she stood in the door, and he said, "About this season, according to the time of thy life, thou shalt embrace a son." And she said, "Nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid." And, and the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elijah had said unto her according to the time of her life. And if we think about, you know, this sort of passage here with this, this Shumanite woman, you know, uh, uh, Elisha's obviously, you know, keeping pretty busy, minding his own business, going, just going to and from wherever he needs to go, doing whatever he needs to do, sort of in the name, in the name of the Lord. And, and she just perceives him to be a man of, a man of faith that there's, there's something about, there's something about this guy. Um, you know, takes it upon herself to, to make a room in her own home for, for him, you know, to, to give him all of the basic comforts that he could have on a journey, you know, a, a place to lay his head, a, uh, a meal, a meal on the table, you know, a, a candlestick so maybe he could write on some parchment or, or whatever, whatever it was that he, he might do in the evening. Um, but just to, to be able to, to be able to make, make a home for the man of God and, and Elisha, you know, wanting wanting to reward 
reward this woman for the love, the care, the compassion that, that she'd showed on him. Um, you know, asked, you know, would you like me to mention you, mention your name before the king? You know, let the captains, the, the rulers of the land be aware of, of who you are. And, and she's satisfied about the people she dwells within. You know, they're my own countrymen. You know, they're my own, they're my own family. I, I, I don't have a need of that. But, um, but then obviously you hear that her husband was old, you know, that, that she was obviously seems that she was unable to bear a child and 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 Eli, and Elisha probably grants her the desire of her heart at this time, even though as we read through scriptures and and just like in our fellowship, I find it fascinating where we see people that are that are healed for many different reasons of, of an inability to have children, that the scriptures talk about that quite a lot of, of people who who have been bar- who have been barren in the womb and and have come come into contact with with the, with the man of God the prophet of God or the son of God Jesus Christ as well and and have been healed and have been delivered and been set free and I think that says a lot for for quite often what the true what the true desire of the heart can be but she she doubts and you know as it says there um you know the season later she can, you know, she um, she gives birth to a to a son, and and it goes on. That testimony there goes on that the son dies shortly after that, and she gets up, and she goes, she finds Elisha, he comes back, and 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 he and he and he raises the son up, and and if I think a bit about the double portion of 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 Elisha and the things that he was involved in, and he was involved in um, healing some poisoned stew, multiplying bread. Healing a leper and also healing the leper's attitude. Um, he, he led a, he led an army. He uh, lifts a siege, prophesies about the nation Syria. He anoints he anoints the king of Israel. And so Elisha goes on, you know, from this from the moment where he where he lifts the mantle of Elijah and asks the Lord for the double blessing. He 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 goes on and and continues and continues on to. To, to do whatever he must do in the name of the Lord. You know, at any time he could have quit. And we read the story of Elijah. And Eli- Elijah had given up at one stage and, and had his little sookie moment, you know, asking to, asking to die that the Lord had forsaken him and, and not knowing and not know, and this prophet that had seen so much, not knowing what the Lord had, had in store, including the raising up of Elisha. And, and Elisha doesn't, and Elisha doesn't do that. He, he just continues faithfully to the end, serving the Lord, seeing incredible miracles, you know, in, incredible wonders. And we might, we might turn, if we could, please, to um, 2 Kings 13. But I remember, um, maybe for those of you that perhaps don't know a little bit about my backstory, um, I was homeless at 16. I was living um, on park benches. I was sleeping on the beach, under trees. All, all sorts of things, and and now I'm like you know going forward, you know, twenty years. I'm I'm not homeless anymore, but I remember that you know I was and I was on the streets for a couple of years, but at no at no point in time did I did I ever have this thought of you know this this is my portion in life that this is this is who I am and this is where I'm going to be. You know, not a night not a night went by that I never wanted life to be better. That I that I wanted more more for myself than, than than what I had, and it was never a lot. But you know, I I always you know I never just wanted to have a home and 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 the the things along those lines. But I guess if we think about you know 
Elisha, Elisha wasn't satisfied here with a normal life. He wasn't satisfied with just not, you know, knowing the Lord. He wasn't just satisfied even when he was called of God on the farm. He wasn't, you know, he didn't turn, turn away Elijah and say, all right, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy here on the farm. He was someone that, that, that wanted more out of life. And, and for you and I here today, you know, I asked the question, you know, what, what do we, what do we want out of life? And you can look at this in, in your personal life. You can look at this in, in, in a spiritual sense or whatever you want to do. You know, are we satisfied? Are we satisfied for, for, for what we, for what we have or, or do we want more? And if we do want more, you know, the Bible does say that we need, you know, to learn where we've, you know, to be content. So it's a good thing for us to be content, but are we satisfied with our portion in life? You know, in the law, in the Lord, are we satisfied with, with, with what we're doing in life? You know, you know, have we, have we redeemed the time? Because there's one clock, you know, there's one mastery that we'll never have of in life, and that is time. You know, we will never, whatever time we lose, we will never get that back. You know, if, 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 if all we did was to say sit at home and to watch telly or to, um, you know, just live within the four walls of our, Whoops. Sorry, my phone does silly things like turning voice commands on. So um but but are we you know but it, but do we but do we hunger and thirst after more? Um, you know, do we get bogged down in, in, in like our, our job, you know, what we do every day at work or our study, our education? Um, do we just stay within the four walls of our home, not wanting not wanting to go out, not wanting to move forward, you know? Do we find it easier to put obstacles in our front of our life of, of why of why can't we? You know, why why can't I do this? Why can't I do it? Why can't I come to the Lord? Why can't I get baptized? You know, why can't I go and and talk to somebody about what Christ has done for me? You know, why can't I do this when we know when we know that the benefit when we know that the benefit comes back tenfold? You know, that when when it's all said and done, you know, maybe when if you know, in my stage of life at the moment, I've, I've got three young children. You know, you know, I have, to, I have to look at myself and go, is my life all about my children that, you know, when I fast forward in hopefully, you know, 16 years, if the Lord tarries, that they're all out of the house, they're all gone. And do I look back and go, well, what, what have, what have I really done with my life? Have I made, have I made it solely about my children that now that they've gone, I've got nothing? Or, or have we made it solely about just living from day to day that that when we can no longer care for ourselves, when we can no longer look after ourselves, you know, and we can no longer do what we were doing every day, that we look back and we think that we've got nothing and that we and that we've had nothing. And and that while we've kept ourselves busy in life, we look back on things and realise, you know, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with what's happened in my life, knowing that we can't, you know, redeem the time that we've spent. You know, we can be the most educated, well-funded people on the on the face of the earth. You know, but but when 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 it comes the time when we realise that we're going to meet, you know, when we're going to meet our Maker, you know, when we're going to either enter into the dust of this earth or rise up to meet the Lord in the air, you know, we we want to we want to be we want to be running running that race towards the end, knowing that we've got nothing left in the tank. Not that we've left, not that we've left all this all this energy, all of this. All of this, this ability to contribute, you know, in, in our back, in, in, in the tank, 
and we're not, and we're not able to use it, not having given this life one one hundred percent of all of all that we can offer. You know, Elisha was brash, he was ambitious. You know, he was determined, and he knew what he wanted. You know, he wanted God's blessing more than anything in this life. You know, he saw what his mentor in the Lord had. You know, what the prophet Elijah had, and and. And while, you know, for me, I read about the stuff that Elijah did. I think, wow, man, I'd love to do that. I want to call down fire from heaven and consume and consume the people over there or, or whatever, you know, that, that, are, that are persecuting me or, or challenge the, you know, the religious leaders and, and people of the time, you know, you show me the power of your God and I'll show you the power of mine. And, but, but he wanted more and he was prepared and he was prepared to just move with the Lord and do whatever it was that he could see more and, you know, he wasn't prepared to pigeonhole the anointing of God. You know, reading about some of the stuff there, he, you know, he led an army. You know, he, he anointed kings. He healed water so people could drink and bathe and, 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 and so forth. You know, he, he took poison out of stew. You know, you name it, he did it. And it wasn't how big or how small it was, but there was a chance to see the blessing of God. And, and he did whatever he could just to take it, to grab hold of it, to be a part of it. You know, if we don't lose, if we don't use our time, we will lose it. Um, 2 Kings 13, we're just going to go to the deathbed of, El- of Elisha. Um, and in verse, and in verse 14. Now Elisha was, uh, he was, he was fallen ill, sorry, fallen sick of, uh, his sickness and wherewith he died. And, and Johash, the king of Israel, came down and said unto him and wept over his faith and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, and this is Elisha, he's on his deathbed, mind you, take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he, and he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward, and he opened it. And then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance of Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in, in Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground, and he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth. You know, this is Elisha on his deathbed giving a command to the king of to the king of Syria, oh sorry, the king of Israel there, and 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 he was wroth with him, wroth with the king, and said, "Thou should have smitten five or six times, then thou had smitten Syria, till thou had consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite them only twice." So we've got there is is is, is Elisha is so focused on on what's before him, and and to the king, you've only done it twice. You should have just kept going and going and going. You know, no, no mercy. And, and then we read that Elisha died and they buried him and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming of the end of the year. And it came to pass that they were burying, as they were burying a man that behold, they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. When the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. And I just find that incredible that, you know, Elisha's dead at this stage. He's in the tomb. They've cast, they've, you know, they've cast a, another dead person in there with him, and as soon as he's touched the body of Elisha, he's come back to life. So even in death, Elisha's still performing miracles. You know, he's still, and I find that just an, an incredible thing and an incredible testament to to the man that 
the man that lived, lived his life with, with that singular of purpose, and that was that was just to follow whatever whatever his Lord said. You know, to be to be that chosen prophet of God. And we'll go to Philippians three. And you know, it doesn't matter what our backstory is. It doesn't matter whether you know you grew up in a in a goodly family. You lacked for nothing. You were raised with a with, with a with a with a knowledge with, with of the truth of, of knowing God, or you've come from whatever life life circumstance it may be. It might be you've immigrated from England and, and someone's been able to speak the words of life to you. You might have been a, a bartender down at Gulwa. You might have lived in Port Piri. You, know, you, you might have been unfortunate enough to swipe right on somebody on a on a date on a dating app and have that moment forever change your life. You know. Each and every one of us here in this room and, and that we come across, our backstories aren't, don't define what the end of our journey looks like. And it only does if, if, if we allow it to. You know, you and I in this room here today, you know, we, we can call on the King of Kings. We can call on the Lord of Lords. No matter the circumstance, no matter, no matter where we find ourselves with a, with a faith and with a confidence to know that no matter the situation that, that, that he will see us through, that no matter the need, as, as Elisha came up against many, you know, small and, and great things that the Lord, the Lord was able, was able to see him through, all he had to do was, was move forward. You know, at any point in time, he could have, he could have put the mantle down, he could have turned away, and he could have, and he could have gone back to the farm, he could have put the plow back on the ox. And, and just carried on his way. But, you know, he was of singular mind and focus. And, and for you and I, when, when it comes to a life with the Lord, you know, there needs to be this singular mind, this singular focus that, that you and I have. There will come temptations. There will come circumstances. There will, there will come all manner of things against us. But the question is, is how will you and I stand? Will we allow this world to corrupt us? Will we allow this world to tempt us? Will we allow this world to put stumbling blocks and and walls in our path that, that we that we can't move forward with the Lord? Or will we or will we see a wall? You know, will we run, will we do whatever it takes to run through it? If we see a stumbling block, will we jump as high as we can to get over it? You know, will we do whatever we can to, to bash that temptation down, whatever it may be, to Whatever that roadblock is that's in the way of us and, and a walk in the Lord, you know, what, what will you and I do? What choice will we make? Will we succumb to the pressure, stumble and fall and give ourselves over to death? You know, or, or will we carry on? We read in, in Philippians 3. I'm just going to start to wind down now. Philippians 3 and verse, and verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded, that if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have as an example. You know, um, I just, I, I love, I love that passage of scripture, you know, about, about the call of God, you know, that, that God summons, you know, each and every one of us 
to this to this same high calling, to this same higher purpose, to, to, to live a life where we no longer where we no longer need to be fearful, but but where we but where we can uh, we can walk with boldness and confidence, knowing the path set before us. You know, knowing that no matter what happens, that there's a hope there. We um, you know, I guess the call of God is there's a there's a three there's a threefold part to this. There's um, first of all that He calls men everywhere to, to repentance, as we see you know, in Acts 17. Um, and repentance is something that it that as we answer the call of God and we recognize a conscience towards God that we that we have to recognize in our life every day. You know, it's not it's not like being baptized and receiving the Holy Ghost. You know, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You know, there's one infilling of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't happen time and time again. But repentance is something that needs to happen every day. You know, Christ Christ died on the cross. And he and he went to Calvary, you know, whipped, bruised, you know, spat on for for you and I. You know, that was a that was a one time deal for him. And you know, we know and we know that he was raised up and went to be on the on the right hand of his father in heaven. But but for you and I, you know, the in a, in a, in a call in the call to follow, to move forward, to follow after God, you know, to repent every day because every day, you know, we fall short of the glory of God every day. You know, we, we we fall we fall and we're not perfect, and and it's a natural thing, and we don't, and we need to not condemn ourselves for it. But what we need to do is 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 to is to repent and to seek the Lord, knowing that He will deliver us above whatever the burden is that that, that we face. You know, the dedic the dedication to, to to the call of God. You know, and we read about that in Ephesians four. You know, the, the dedication to follow after Christ, no matter what. You know. And if anyone's it's maybe unfamiliar with, with perhaps the the life that they should strive to live, the life that they should strive to follow after, the attributes that they have, you know, the book of Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, you know, Christ Christ in, in, he begins to teach what it is. You know, it's, it's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, but he begins to teach what it is for someone who would come after him that would be called now a Christian. The the life habits, you know. That, that they would have the characteristics that they would that they would show the type of life that, that they would lead and and the third one is is um is recognizing you know I don't like to use the word but but the holy calling that we've been called to you know not just to roll not just to roll in on a Sunday it's a good thing for us to do not just to roll in you know when we feel like we should but to recognize that we've been called to something this world just doesn't give us. You know, we've been called to a life of liberty and of freedom. We've been called to to be separate from this world, but also to bring to bring this world in and to see, and and to let them taste of of the good things that that, that you know that, that we have experienced that that we have seen. You know, um, and I just I just sort of reminisce on on my calling a bit, and you know, I remember when. When my housemate was healed of, of of an ice addiction that had consumed his life, he was spending five hundred dollars a day of, of of this drug, and and it had wrecked every facet of his life. He was so famous on the south coast for the the disaster of, of a life he was living, and and just the the the, the lifestyle that, that he was living, and you know, and in a moment of time, you know, he he was healed, and all of a sudden. 
instead of our house becoming this this house of of of, of parties and and you know you know lewd behavior and all this stuff I, I was coming home I was coming home from work and all I was seeing was that you know a clean house a clean person you know it was that that life had changed and I could see that there wasn't just it wasn't just a social group it wasn't just a social church or or something like that that he'd been called to but but he'd been called to a life of, of purpose you know he and and conviction and and for me you know when I received the Holy Ghost instantly the desire to drink left yeah instantly the desire you know the violence that I was living the temper that I had it, it all went and and life became new and that's what that's what God wants for you and I that it's not just a you, you come, you come, and 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 you and all of a sudden, you join a church, but but you let him just jump in the driver's seat of the car, and and he's not on his L plates, and you're not sitting there teaching him how to drive, but he is just the master at the wheel, and you are just learning all all that all that he has to offer, you know. And and I remember even, you know, when I was bar when I was bartending, I, I stopped coming to meetings for a little while, and and I hadn't really sort of prayed or whatever before and um, I had a guy come and see me one night and just talk to me about the importance of, of me praying and, and seeking the Lord and, and that was Pastor Chris and Kevin Williams and and they and they said to me about you know the life that I was still living wasn't wasn't one that, that, that God would agree with but that they couldn't tell me what to do but what I needed to do was to was to pray in the Holy Ghost and pray in the language that God himself had given me and 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 watch what had happened and and I remember the next day I, I I prayed that night for the first time by myself ever I, I was working I was working in the pubs and and I quit my job you know no money in the bank not really a lot of I didn't really have much to offer anybody let alone myself and I just remember going out like to do my last like do my day day of work and I just thought Lord I've stepped out in faith now and, and no matter what happens. No matter no matter what I'm asked to do, no matter what life throws against me, if you honour this this commitment I've made to you, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. I will just move forward and follow you everywhere and anywhere. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't. No, no is no longer an answer when it comes to whatever it is that, that you would have me to do. And you know, and, and that's carried true to today. You know, it it doesn't matter. You know where I am personally. It's it's whatever God, whatever God asks of me to do. It, it's without is a yes, without reservation, without 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 second thought. And that's what the Lord wants of all of us. No matter what we feel that we can offer naturally, or we feel we can contribute, God knows what what He wants from us. You know, Moses threw up all these examples and all of these things about you know I am not this Lord. I'm not. I'm not that. You know, there's got to be somebody else. But but the Lord wasn't prepared to let Moses off the hook, despite his insecurities and despite his inadequacies. You know, Mo, you know and I, I, what I believe is that that that, Mo, that God thought it was good that, Mo, that Moses recognised he couldn't do all of these things because where we know we can't do things, that's where God comes in. You know, that's where the Spirit of God comes in and and intercedes on our behalf. Yeah, you know, when we when we can't do things in our own strength, when we can't, you know, whether it, no matter what what it is, no matter what we feel we're called to do is, wherever we lack, 
God gives the increase. God gives the calling. You know, God gives us the strength to carry it through, no matter the situation in life. You know, no, no matter no matter the circumstances. And brothers and sisters, you know, life can be hard, and it doesn't matter. You know, whether we whether we're young, young children down here, and I'm sure James and Casey can tell us all about you know some of the stuff that happens with with children that, that, that drive them bonkers and I can do the same if, if there's a good. But um, Or maybe we get a bit more seasoned in life like young Sid and Jill over here and it doesn't matter how much experience or inexperience we have, you know, in, in good health or in, or in poor health or in, in, in busyness or in retirement that, you know, life affects all of us in varied and different ways and, you know, we'll throw all forms of... of, of of blockages in our path and all sorts of barriers in our path. But what what needs to remain our focus, what needs to remain the priority is, is obeying and following the call of God because when we do that, it, it doesn't matter what comes against us because, you know, the Lord will remove the path. We'll finish Romans 8. We'll just finish here. Just going to read verse 35 through to the rest of the through to the end of the uh, chapter. For who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. That we are more than conquerors. That we that we can overcome all of these things that, that come against us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, you know, the Lord our Saviour has put the challenge before us. You know, He's given us the tools to succeed He's given us, you know, every sort of weapon or defense that we would need and have at our disposal. What we need to decide is, is that there, is there anything that we will allow ourselves to separate us from the love of God, to separate us from, from, from our calling in the Lord, you know, to separate us from eternities. Amen. Amen. Amen.